People of the world, hello and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. Hey, thanks for being with us. And here we are in the double-digit phase of our broadcast. And to mark the occasion, we've got a big show today, so let's get started. We've gathered virtually for this special expanded episode to discuss what the new normal will be. And we've got some special guests aboard who we'll introduce in a moment. But before that, here's a word from our co-hosts, Scott and Norm. Hey, family. I want to thank you for your support. And also, during this pandemic, you need to be safe, smart, and cautious. And like Scott, I just wanted to thank everybody for the support. And again, be safe. Worry about your neighbors, your community. This is not a time to just sit at home and just think about yourselves, but there are a lot of people in need out there. So just keep a lookout. All right. We're joined today by Brandon and Laron, a couple more brothers who answered the call to share their opinions as Black men. So brothers, please greet the listening audience. Uh, my name is Laron Barton. I'm uh, originally from Kansas City, Missouri. I live in San Francisco, California. Um, I'm a writer and speaker. I write primarily about race, mass incarceration, business, tech, and dating, and I'm just really excited to uh, be on the show. Thank you for having me on, fellas. All right, I'm Brandon. I am a musician, a minister, a music producer, film producer, getting ready to launch a new streaming service to bring awareness and change the narrative of how we, how we, uh, get things in media. Um, so I'm excited to be here and just to be able to share. Thank you, Rod. Thank you, Norm. Thank you, Scott. All right. Thank you, Laron and Brandon. And now let's get into today's conversation. In this new millennium in the 21st century, while we've seen some major significant changes to life as we know it, like Obama becoming the president, Google overhauling the internet, and Amazon redefining retail shopping, you know, we've also seen same-sex marriage become the law of the land and even a woman heading a major party presidential ticket. But I think it's safe to say that the two most life-altering events we've faced in the 2000s are 9-11 and the coronavirus. We certainly know that there was a before and after effect that we can point to as to what life was like before the World Trade Center attacks and how that changed us going forward. And certainly COVID-19 is even more impactful as not only have we already had over 12 times as many citizens die with many more to come, but unlike ISIS and Al-Qaeda, this is an enemy of the entire world that we're still struggling to find an answer to or cure for. But no matter how we feel about the responses being proposed by the governments in terms of timelines for reopening the entire economy, we know that at some point we'll have to leave our homes and go back into the world. So let's explore what we envision as the new normal from two perspectives. First, what we think will actually be, and second, what we would like to see, especially as it relates to the Black community. So let's begin with our guest, Brandon, in answering the first question. What do you think is actually going to be the new normal after COVID? I, I see that we see technology is really a big thing. It's on the rise. 
I see e-commerce becoming more of a big thing. I um, I, I see new things like capsule that delivers medicine. So I see a lot of those type of things happening. Also with schools, I think there's been a change in how we how, how we do school. I think there's a lot of things that's being impacted by this COVID that's going to change uh, how we how we engage people. Social distancing, for one, that's probably going to be a thing that's going to be going on for a while. I think that even with security, doing the traveling, I think that's going to be come even more an issue. Um, so I see families probably bonding more, friendships bonding more. And I think going back to some old ways of doing things, I really do see th- those things. We, we see it happening now and I see it happening even more in the future. Okay. Laurent? I think we're I think we're going to see two things. I, I, I think we're going to see just on one hand there's going to be a mass of people that just can't wait to come outside, right? You're like like they're going to be running, they're going to be partying, they're they're going to go straight to restaurants, they're going to go straight to just any kind of public gathering, the bars, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're going to be having the people like myself that are going to be very uh very hesitant, very leery, and you like I. I seen this meme where the person where they when the shelter in place is lifted and and this guy was peeking outside and like peeking through his blinds. That's going to be me. I think that um this has really impacted life. I mean, I I can't think of any of anything that's been in, on the scale in my entire life. I think there's going to be a craving for people as far as like social interaction, as far as physical interaction. You know, I, I think people cannot are going to be so amped to connect with with other people. I mean, on social media, like I've seen so many people say, "I cannot wait for a hug." It's been so long. So there are people, unfortunately, who are or dealing with the shelter in place alone. For black folk, you know, whenever something happens, we always get like the shit and stick of excuse excuse me language so we're gonna be seeing a lot more people out of work we're seeing that now we're gonna be seeing many jobs many places of employment many businesses not be able to come back because the money that is needed to sustain our time while we're not able to work or to function won't be able to subsist so that's gonna that's gonna happen i can see continually having piss poor interaction with doctors and, and clinics because I'm pretty sure we all know this, that when you have insurance, you're able to be seen, you're able to get certain tests, you're able to have certain procedures. Many Black people do not have insurance. So I, I don't see this being coming out being very favorable for Black people. I can definitely see a, a lot of us falling even further behind racial wealth gap. So unfortunately, I don't see any positivity post uh, post COVID nineteen. Okay, okay, Scott. I see both positive and negative in this for Black folks. On the negative end of it, what we're going to see here is when the economy starts coming back, unemployment rate is going to continue to skyrocket for Black folks because that old adage I think is not going to change. Black folks usually we're the last in and the first out, so we're probably going to be the last group of people to get called back to jobs. That's going to have a real negative impact, I think. I think that in terms of some of the positives, I see a lot of positives coming out of this. I see that that family bond. You have really no choice right now. If you're sheltering in place with families, you're you're reconnecting, redeveloping uh, relationships, rekindling relationships. That's to me, is a big positive because Black folks, we kind of have lost our way uh, as a group. I think this is going to bring us back more cohesively as a group and, and start realizing what's really important. Another positive, I think, is going to be the way that we define what essential is. Who's essential? What's a hero? 
who are the heroes now? When you look at TV, the people who they're talking about are heroes are not just firemen and policemen, doctors, the nurses, the healthcare workers. It's the folks on the front line who are delivering services and, and goods to people who need it. We're going to take a look at, at, at all of that. And I think all of those things are positive because you're going to give folks who are in those professions newfound respect. But the downside of it is, like Ron said, in terms of healthcare, we're going to continue to struggle when it comes to healthcare. But again, we're going to be the last one in in line when it comes to healthcare, getting healthcare services. But I think there are some opportunities there for Black folks because we're the most creative group of folks on the planet to come out of this. If if we focus as a group to come out of this in in, in a better way, in a better light. Norm, I think it's going to be really bad for labor in this country. I think this is going to be the crushing blow for labor. I think when we come out of this, I think technology is going to replace a lot of these jobs and a lot of these jobs just are not going to come back, period. As for Black people, I think we have an opportunity. It's going to be really bad for us, but we have an opportunity to create more of our own jobs, businesses in our community, which we will have to do to survive this. During the, the rush for toilet paper, you know, I discovered a African-American company that sold toilet paper and I contacted them and they delivered it to my house. I think we have to look for more opportunities within our community. That's pretty awesome. Than to simply just keep running out and giving our money to somebody else. Every opportunity that we have. And that's the only good that can come out of this for us. As you said, Ron, the healthcare is terrible. I mean, we're voting for a party that will not give Medicare for all. And which is what we re- really need at this point. And we have a current president who won't even provide it right now, won't even open it up so people can be tested. And how can you open up a country when 1% of the people have been tested for this disease? This virus is ridiculous. I don't see really too much good coming out of it. I just see it as another step in the demise of this country. The 2%, they're getting paid from this, actually. They're getting millions of dollars uh, in the stimulus package, which they're simply going to use to reinvest in the technology, which they're going to use ultimately to really get rid of all of us. That's really what I see. Okay. And I don't think we'll see as much in the form of uh, public displays of affection. You know, I don't know that there will be as many hugs and even handshakes. I think people are going to be less social in terms of gathering together in homes. Um, I'm guessing more companies will offer telecommuting and I agree with you guys. I don't think a lot of jobs are coming back because I think companies have sort of figured out that they've been able to get work done and they're going to be able to sort of piecemeal bringing people back in as they see fit. And I agree with you, Scott. We are the last hired and first fired. And I think most people are going to be leery of crowds for a while to come. So it's tough to imagine what large sports and entertainment events will look like without crowded arenas and stadiums. But I think they're certainly going to find a way to stage those events just because of the potential for money to be made. I think drone usage is probably going to be increasing as well. You were, I think uh, Laron and Brandon both talked about the amount of online shopping and so forth that'll be done. So I think they'll be using drones. I think um, schools will be offering more virtual learning as an alternative to classrooms. I can't see uh, my daughter going back into any environment that doesn't have full-scale testing. I think the online shopping is going to turn to making most of the brick-and-mortar stores more or less like showrooms where people can just go and see demos and then order the uh, item online. I definitely think there'll be more job interviews and other business meetings internally and externally they'll be conducted using technology. And I'm also of the opinion that probably there's going to be some health screening for new hires because I'm just not sure they're not going to consider the prospect of somebody coming in potentially and infecting the the entire workforce and causing them to have some other problem. Right, right. 
So, all right, so now let's swing around in the reverse, answering the second question. So, Norm, what would you like to see the new normal be? What What's on your wish list? The new normal. Well, you know, I, I would love for it to get back to uh, as close to what we had before as possible, but we know that that's not going to happen. As you said, right? I mean, people are just not going to get close. They're not going to feel comfortable being as close as before. I can't tell you what I'd like to see. I, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like going back to church. I can't imagine what it's going to be like going to a movie after this, a sporting event. I can't even imagine that. I, I, I just saw no answers regarding that. Okay. Scott, on your wish list. Well, my wish list would be that Black folks in the Black community come closer together as a result of this. Start back supporting each other. Start back acting like a community. Right now, we're not. I also hope that we take advantage of this opportunity in terms of what's going to happen. You guys brought up some good ideas about what you thought was going to happen in terms of technology. Oh, we take advantage of that. I'd like to see the, see us focus on technology. Like I said, we're the most creative group of people on the surface of the earth, but we haven't used that creativity yet to tap into what you can do in terms of technology. And I'd like to see us at the forefront of that because, like you said, a lot of jobs are going to be replaced by IT. And our representation in terms of IT is very, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's very small. If we can somehow start focusing and getting young folks to get involved in IT and being creative and creating another space in terms of problem solving, creating jobs in IT, I think we'll be okay. Okay. Laurent. You know, like y'all have brought up, brought up really good points. Um, I definitely feel that, you know, in just certain businesses are not going to be able to survive this. And so therefore, I think that we need to start moving away from labor and really start getting into uh, positions and lines of work that doesn't require us to to be particularly parked at one location. I'm talking about like remote work positions and things of that nature that we can be flexible in location. Because if anything, one of, I guess, highlights of COVID-19 is it it's shown how much work can can be done without an office. So I do believe that offices are, are going to slowly but surely start uh, start to go away of the past. You know, I, I think many people will start working from home. And so unfortunately, if you work at a factory, if you are a welder or anything like that, you're not going to have that kind of flexibility. Now, on the other hand, I would like to see, and you know, this is kind of a controversial thing, but I think that we need to really invest in the trades more. Look, being a plumber is never going to go away. You know, gosh, being an electrician is never going to go away. Those fields will always be in some kind of demand. And it's not as glamorous as going to a four-year university. But with the racial wealth gap being what it is and the fact that folks just don't have money, I don't know if encouraging every one of us to go to college would be the right thing. I mean, look. I went to a tech school and that's how I got into IT. You know, sometimes I wish, you know, I could have done the, the four year, you know, university thing. But at the end of the day, I don't have so much student loans to pay off. The fact is, is that my skills are very transferable and I can pretty much go anywhere within the country and get a job. So I think that this is the time for us to start to become, to focus on different things. I would like to see us sort of come together more. You know, there's, there's, there's so much silly infighting with black people. And, you know, this disease has shown that once again, black folks are among the most 
susceptible to getting the disease. So why not we all sort of come together as one? And with the health thing, man, you know, look, I didn't agree with what the Surgeon General said. Like, I, I think that he, I think he's a coward. Yes, he you is. know, that, you know, white folks smoke and drink and use, and use drugs more than anybody in this country. However, we do need to focus on our health. I don't understand if this is a airborne illness, why are you still smoking? Like, I don't get that. Yo, like, why are you using cannabis? Look, if you're going to do that, do it in a form of an edible. But when this shelter in place started, gentlemen, I stopped drinking because I'm like, look, I want to strengthen my immune system and I want to give myself the best chance possible to not get this disease. So I think that after this is over, I would like to see us really commit to be more healthy. And that means stop using cannabis. That means reduce your drinking. I mean, if it's pain management, cool, but put the cigarettes down. I mean, just think, just think about that. So that's all I have to say. Okay. Brandon, what's on your wish list? You know, is, uh, mine is a thing of, I, I believe that it's all about community. You know, it starts with community, but it also starts within ourselves. I'm hoping that people take this pandemic and, and look how closely that it's hit so many homes and that it's brought an awareness that we have power within that we can create. The creating starts within ourselves. I think that for us to to make change in our communities, it has to start within ourselves. Our our mind and our thinking has to be transformed. So I'm hoping that people really kind of really be become awake because there's so many facts and there's so many unfacts, you know, things, conspiracy theories, you know, things that people are going on. And I think that I hope that people really delve into the gift that's put in them because I think that can create those jobs. It can create opportunities for self-employment. Because I think that's where it's going to be at for us to be able to survive and to make it is to be able to start our own businesses, tap into those things, tap into trade. Like LeBron was saying, you know, get with some of the older gentlemen, you know, that's a part of our churches, different organizations and learning different things and being open to sharing. I think it starts with that also being open to sharing and being open to, open to listening because there's going to always be worrying. There's going to always be confusion. There's going to always be media that's going to be feeding frenzy to people. And uh, we've got to change that narrative. And I think that it starts within ourselves. So I'm hoping that people take this as a wake up call and take the time that being able to spend with families and learn things about your families, learn things about yourself that you didn't know. Because in these quiet times for me, I've learned so much more about myself and the power that's within to be able to create and create other streams of revenue for myself. And um, I think that if other people take on that same mindset and really tap into the greatness and that power that is within, I think that we can see some some change. But the change has to start within ourselves. Okay. And uh, as I said, this is a wish list. And so for me, well, I'd certainly like to see a new national response to systemic racism in the country, you know, because the novel coronavirus has shined a spotlight on the inequalities and the discrepancies across this, the, the country. That would take the form of bringing up the topic of reparations in a more substantive means, that would be certainly something I would wish for. I would also hope that the vast majority of Americans have been awakened to the problem of having a self-centered, arrogant idiot without any true leadership ability during this crisis. And then I would also hope that, Scott, you mentioned earlier about who's considered essential. And we know that more often than not, the people who are on the front lines at grocery stores and a lot of these service businesses are Black people. And so in July, the living wage is supposed to have that big jump from seven and a quarter to eight dollars an hour. And I would be really hopeful that somebody's going to take a look now and realize that if 
they don't do something more substantial than that. And I hope a lot of those people really decide not to go back. I think they can cripple the economy in a way that would make the government have to go back and reestablish a much more equitable living wage. And so that'd be the kind of thing that I, I would certainly hope for. So now it's time for kind of our round robin section of the day. And so what I want to do here is just open up the floor and ask the question, what can we do as black men to help bring about some of the changes that we talked about that we'd want to see? Um, I'd like to go first, uh, gentlemen. Uh, one of you guys made a really good point, uh, mentorship. I feel like that as a uh, as an older black man, it is very important for me to uh, to help and try to I wouldn't necessarily guide, but try to give assistance and give advice and be helpful to any black people that are coming behind me. Because the whole thing is this. It's all about making the road easier for the next generation. So I think that if we let people know, oh, um, okay, these are your options. This is what you should do. Then we will truly start to come together as a race and as a community. Leron, I think that was an outstanding point. Yeah, because mentorship, when I think about, I'm like an unofficial mentor for my daughters. I have adult daughters, but I'm still guiding them. I'm still mentoring them. I'm still pushing them in certain directions. They still come to me for a, a variety of things. A lot of folks don't have that. One of the things that I think we're going to have to redefine is what is real mentorship. I had that issue at, at work. Mentorship is not just meeting with somebody for a couple of hours a month. Mentorship is when you have, say, a project or you have a goal, there's a beginning and there's an ending to that goal. And all those things in between, that's what the mentorship is. So when we start, we have, there are a lot of people attempting this, a lot of different programs, and they may follow kids from, say, fourth grade to high school to college, but it, it shouldn't stop there because it's a lifelong thing. I never had a mentor. I, I wonder what I would be if I had one. We all need mentors. We all need people who've gone there before us to make the road a little easier. I like that idea but trying to get the collective group of black folks start thinking that way. What do we need to focus on the most? Are we going to focus on we need to participate more in this IT economy? It's coming, whether we want it or not, it's going to come. A number of you mentioned the ways that we're going to start shopping, retail, getting your food. I saw something where this woman locally in D.C., they have these robots that's delivering beauty supplies, not drones, they're robots that's been programmed to deliver beauty supplies to people doorstep. So I want us to get involved in that way, but how do we do that? It's going to be the issue. How do we bring along everybody else to do that, to understand that the IT, we're going in a warp drive now. Well, when you talk about the mentorship, I think a part of that is just what you and Lorraine alluded to, which is we need to be in the ears of some of these young kids coming out of high school right. and college, because a lot of the things they ask us about are things regarding what kind of career should they choose. And uh, Laurent, I like your point about the fact that everybody, we've said for a long time, everybody isn't college material. Right. That's why there's the military. That's why there are trade schools. And so for those kids who have more of a technological bent, more have more of a hands-on focus, we need to be encouraging them to do that and then giving them the bigger picture that, as you just outlined this guy. Yeah, but how do we reach with a platform like this? How do we reach people who have actually resources? They have programs, and a lot of folks have these programs that are directed at helping young black men, or they're specifically young black women. But they're saying they have that same model they, that they've been using for 30 or 40 years, and they're making like 
very incremental, small progress. And that model needs to be changed in how we help folks, especially folks who don't have parents at home. We got to change that model. Starting to do that, that's one of the things I think I'm hoping that people out here who are listening to this podcast are thinking about how do we get to change that model so that we can help people move forward. Like what Leron said, when you start talking about like plumbers, carpenters, air conditioning, heating type folks, I have a lot of friends who, who are doing that. They're business owners. Financially, they're living great lives. For some reason, we don't push folks in that direction anymore. You know, why is that? Well, I don't think we have to try to change the, the paradigm that exists because I think that's where we just be really wasting our time. That's like, you know, pushing against the wall. What I do think we have to do is think more creatively in terms of the avenues that we do have. For instance, the church is still paramount in most black communities and most churches are starved for people who are willing to come in and work with the youth there. And so I think for the churches, the benefit is that it creates an engagement and creates an opportunity for young people to see some value in the church that they don't see when they just hear about the grandmothers and, and grandfathers talking about, you know, what happened back in the 50s and 60s. But if they started to know that there were people there who were taking an active interest in helping them, that's an avenue that we have. You also got the fraternities and the sororities who, you know, we can lean on them because, again, they are open to the idea of trying to be service organizations. So, you know, I think we just have to think more creatively, as you, as you put it. Because the church is always going to be our background. I'm saying the paradigm that exists in the schools, you know, Betsy DeVos heads that process up now. Yeah. Now, I meant, I meant in terms, let's take the sororities and fraternities. So what they do, there's a lot, they're community service, but they're like under the radar. They do like these 500, I have sisters and my wife and people like that who are in those sororities. And, and they do these little $500 scholarship things, which, which is not bad. I shouldn't say little, but they've been doing that for decades. So how do we graduate and push them to move away from that, just doing a little $5,000, $500 scholarship so they can get a pat on the head and feel good about that, not to bash anything that sororities or fraternities are doing, but it's time to graduate from that and those kind of nonprofit organizations who do the same things that they've been doing for 30 years. Not that they're a bad thing, but we have more need than what we're getting. I think we can mentor them, too. I think there are people inside those organizations who have ideas and who would be receptive to having conversations. And we should interact with them, too, as a part of this whole mentorship process. And I think that's a great place for us to start to lean on the process. And that's also going to be a good place for us to put a pin in it for this week. So want to close down another edition of Brothers Talk. And we want to thank Brother Brandon and Brother Laurent for joining us here today and we definitely hope to have you back in the future. They're yeah. both doing some really powerful, positive things that we'll be sharing with you. And we certainly always are very grateful to you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. And we remind you, you can follow us at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And, of course, you can always reach us by email, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. In parting, as is our custom, we say, let's all do better today because it's really all we have.